1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls
2: is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and
1: head to paramountplus.com to try it free.
3: I knew when Alex used the word angular to talk about your writing that he... <laughs> that's like his highest compliment. It, it is. If you it get is. angular from Alex Higley, holy <laughs> shit. Okay.
2: I'm Alex Higley. And I'm
3: Lindsay Hunter. And,
0: and I'm, I'm a, a writer. writer,
3: but <sighs> Welcome to I'm a Writer But. Today we have Ursula Villarreal Mora. Ursula Villarreal Mora is the author of Math for the Self-Crippling, which was selected by Zinzi Clemens as the Goldline Press Fiction Contest winner, and like happiness, forthcoming with Celadon Books. A graduate of Middlebury College, she received her MFA from Sarah Lawrence College and was a Vona Voices Fellow. Her stories, essays, and reviews have appeared in numerous magazines, including Tin House, Catapult, Prairie Schooner, Midnight Breakfast, Washington Square, Story, Bennington Review, The Wigleaf Top 50, and Gulf Coast. Welcome, Ursula. Welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to talk to you. I loved your book. Um, When I first saw it, I was like, look at this tiny little book. But it is... (laughs) chock full. It is, it is it's very
2: sharp, rimming. It's just sharp, sharp prose. I was so taken by this book.
3: Yeah. I, um, I mean, each story is maybe like two pages. Usually they're one page, not even a page. Um, and it's this tight little book and it is just full of life. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I was tearing through every story, just like hungry, hungry, hungry for more. So I'm so excited to talk to you about it.
1: Thank you. Will you read to us a little bit? Absolutely. I'm going to read two flashes. Um, they're close to each other in the book. The first one is called Blood Paisley's 1990.
3: Oh, my gosh. I was going to ask you to read that.
1: Oh, really? Yay! Okay. Great. And then after that, I'm going to read through Sophia Loren Glasses.
0: Cool.
1: Okay. So first one, Blood, P- uh, Blood Paisley's 1990. Do you remember when drive-by shootings were an epidemic in San Antonio? When in middle school, every morning, you'd greet your gaggle of friends by saying, you survived the bullets, you nasty gangbangers. And they replied with quips like, yeah, I'm thug like that. Or, I was wearing my Crips colors, fool. Only you were all 12-year-old private school girls, scared by the local nightly news, sick by the body counts in the newspaper headlines. Some of you are Mexican-American, some of you are white all of you were equally fascinated by your uncivilized city as you were by your newfound period blood. Whenever an errant blood paisley stained a skirt or gym shorts, the group issued a warning to the victim. Vato, you've been shot near the buttocks. Get help. Gangs were the rage, initiations were never ending, and you were held hostage in the prime of puberty. This was before you began describing hip-hop as iambic. Before you seriously considered the idea of leaving San Antonio. Years before you developed your insulated New England daydream. The prospect of staying in your bloody city. Well, that was a chalk outline you could draw in your sleep. And then the second one is called Through Sophia Loren Glasses. My mother and I were driving past an exclusive neighborhood called the Elms when I asked how I would know if I had slipped into insanity. Two months before, when I turned 14, my consciousness had expanded into a thousand-floor hotel. Inside every room, I encountered duplicates of myself, all devious masterminds. You're not crazy, she said, shaking her head. I can tell. The open windows of her tiny Toyota welcomed a hot breeze that ballooned her white blouse and made her tan arms resemble hot dogs. But is there a line? I asked. In my mind, I shuffled over a black and white checkered floor, a human chess piece in clunky black men's oxfords. I jerked myself over the board, puppeting myself from black square to black square. I can't say if it's a line, but I know you're overthinking things again, Mija. I imagined my mother massaging Grandma Beatrix's knuckles while explaining my whereabouts to her in Spanish. She's locked up in an institution with others like her. From behind her gigantic Sophia Loren glasses, my grandmother's eyes were certain to flutter with shock. I jittered in my car seat. All my dreams lately spackled of black magic, and upon waking, I stayed convinced I was cloaked in curses. It was clear I had to glue myself together for others. I'd hunt for swaths of normalcy at my private school, graft new veins into my central nervous system, present myself without fracture or blemish. Do you have homework? My mother asked. Her attempt at a distraction soured the air so I didn't answer. Don't tell me you really think you're crazy, she said, turning for the first time to study my mood. Her face echoed a soap opera. Her lipstick faded into last week. We had been driving in the same direction for entirely too long and our destination eluded me. Most crazy people don't even realize they're crazy. You know that, right? My mother mumbled, holding a conversation with herself. I imagined myself being escorted out of my high school in a straitjacket, a hundred peers witnessing my unraveling. All of them too stunned to snicker or attempt a joke. My mother's eyes darted up towards the rearview mirror. I'm sometimes on a chessboard, I muttered, and it doesn't look like I'm going to win. We maintained a speed of 55 miles an hour and drove for four more years without ever stopping.
3: Thank you so much, Ursula. I love those pieces that you read, and I absolutely love the story that's sandwiched between them. Um, mm-hmm. Sad Girl, is it called? Is that... Yeah, that's Sad, one girl. Of my Sad is. girl. Oh my God, that one terrified me. And, um, Uh, so yeah, that's a little, that's a little, uh, like titillation for our listeners to go get this book (laughs) if they haven't already (laughs) go read sad girl. Um, I feel like there was so much excitement about this book. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it just made a splash. Was that your perception too? How did it feel from
1: the inside? Oh, you're so generous. Um, you know, it's a small press book, so I'm really grateful um, for the people who've bought it and read it and for you and Alex and everyone who's taken the time to interview me. Um, I think it's done well. It's done well for a little book. I mean, um, I'm I'm really grateful for it. I'm happy with it. Um, and I don't know if either of you can relate, but like as a perfectionist, I'm always like, oh my God, do I want my work out in the world? Are people going to judge me? Am I going to regret this? Um, And I don't regret it. I'm happy it's out there. And I'm happy that it's gotten some attention. So Mm -hmm. um, I do think it's been a really positive experience so far.
3: Yeah, I feel like people just mention it constantly. Um, People are really excited about it. I want to hear from you. Like when you knew you had a book, how did where did this, these, these pieces come from? And when did you know, okay, I want to put
1: them together? Or were they always together? Oh, they were never together <laughs> <laughs> until until they were together. Yeah, no, the, um, you know, I have said this before it, that I um like didn't like flash fiction at all. Wow, uh, at all. Like, I went to grad school and kind of maybe it's a requirement in grad school to get in when you're getting an MFA to be like a, a like and know everything already and like go in there <laughs> and just be like I know about storytelling like I know how to tell these stories and uh, you know this is actually a great book and this one isn't and like I don't care how famous these people are but like I just certain voice of literature um and I unfortunately had that attitude um and so I went in and I thought I knew what a story was and I thought a story was like between 4 and you know 23 pages at the most and that you know it t- was just this full world that you needed like X amount of words to, you know, convey. Mm-hmm. And I had to read flash fiction in my MFA and in my first semester, and I hated it. And I can you to, can you say who you were reading? <laughs> well, actually it was, um, so I took a class with Carolyn Farrell at Sarah Lawrence and it was an anthology that I later loved. Mm, um, wow. It was one of those, I think it was a Norton flash fiction anthology, Mm -hmm. but it was an international one. And so, um, and I'm grateful for that because it kind of showed storytelling from around the world in a Mm -hmm. sense, and like how much people from different countries and different cultures can, you know, make this really compact story in, in different ways. Like, you know, obviously the stories that's, you know, from the writers in Portugal were radically different than the stories of like people from the United States, um, and so I really had an eye-opening experience with that book. And so I, by the time the we finished reading the book as a class, I was like, well, you know, actually some of these are pretty good and <laughs> some of them are stories. And, you know, maybe I was a little bit kind of wrong. Um, and after, you know, but then I kept writing my four to 23 page stories throughout my NFL. <laughs> Um, but then afterwards, after my MFA was over and I had to get a job and go into the real world, I really challenged myself. Like I was like, you know, what was that thing, that flash fiction stuff? Like, let me kind of like, what do I have to lose? I have like a low paying job and like, nobody knows who I am. Maybe I can start writing some of these stories and play around and see what's possible. And I ended up writing a lot of flash fiction. Um, and then probably about five years after i started writing flash um i started loosely putting together a book of it which was an earlier version of math for the self-crippling
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i submitted it to like rose metal press contest mm-hmm. and um just different um chat book contests and s- sometimes it was finalist sometimes it was semi-finalist And, you know, at that point when I was entering, that was like 2017 or so, um, I was working a full-time job and a part-time job. And so, like, I would get these emails, like, rejections Mm -hmm. while I was at my lunch break. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing, that's, like, still on submission, right? Okay. (laughs) You know, lunch is over. Like, let me eat this, like, last fork full of, like, arugula salad (laughs) and, like, get back on, you know, to work. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, this is, hopefully this is like inspiring for writers who are listening, maybe, but like the pandemic started and my agent and I split up. Wow. And yeah. And it was,
3: it what, was, what, what was the catalyst there? Just the pandemic.
1: Well, so right before the pandemic, she and I had gone out on submission with my novel and um it it was like, you know, we had some really nice things that people said, but it was like a no-go with my novel. And so I started writing another book and, um, and then she basically told me like in March or April, maybe May of 2020, she was like, I haven't sold any debut fiction in, what? I don't know like what's going on with publishing. And like, nobody knows like how long this you know, pandemic's going to be for, ha, ha no one thought this long, right? No, um, for but, sure. <laughs> oh but anyway, God. she was like, she was like, um, yeah, uh, you know, you. I don't know if we're going to sell this book. So like, you know, keep that in mind. And like, you know, if you're working on something else, do that. So I wrote um, a memoir and about my relationship with my father and he's a Vietnam vet and et cetera, et cetera. And she didn't want to read it. <laughs> <gasps> what? Didn't want to read it? No um it was it was you know and i was like really juiced up as writers often are when they have a new project and they've written like you know you know they feel like they're really inside of a project and want to share it with someone and my agent didn't want to read my memoir and so
2: what the fuck
1: yeah so she didn't she told me to you know not necessarily shelve the novel but like you know we're kind of in a holding place with the novel she didn't want to read the memoir and i was just like I got to do something. So we had a conversation and we went our separate ways. And so, yeah, it was really sad. Um, like I had been, my job had been, my full-time job had been furloughed. Um, and I didn't know if I was ever going to go back to it. I had my part-time job, um, but I was writing every day and I was, you know, trying to keep I don't know, the artistic juices alive. And I felt like it was also a right time for that. Maybe everybody did because suddenly the rhythm of our lives really changed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what about this thing, this math for the self crippling manuscript? What about that? Like, I think I have time for that now to like, look at it with fresh eyes. And Mm -hmm. so I did. And then I submitted it in 2020 to different places. And I finally won something. And wow. I, yeah, so I've always wanted it to be kind of this length. But um, since I didn't have an agent and I know just from being in this business that you can't sell a book this length, I was like, well, oh, how am I going to get this to be a real thing? And so I was like looking for a chat, looking for contests. And I was like, well, it's, it doesn't qualify for these books that are like 100 pages or more. And it's a lot of the chat book contests, it didn't qualify for because you know, it's like a certain number of words or like up to 30 pages or up to 45 pages or even up to 50 pages. And this book is more than 50 pages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and I didn't think of it necessarily as a chapbook, but I thought, whatever, whatever contest I can enter. And so I found a contest that didn't have a page limit or a word limit. And thank goodness it worked out. Wow. You found the perfect spot. Yeah, I really did. And Zinzi Clemens as
3: the reader it's that's so exciting I loved her book yeah
1: I was I it was like the greatest thing that happened in that year because there was just so much artistic disappointment happening mm-hmm. we relate <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think uh so much of what you just said Ursula is uh, stuff that I want to go back into and talk about a little bit more um the first, the first aspect of what you just were talking about that I found so interesting and, and instructive really is that the manuscript was a finalist or a semi-finalist. It's at several spots, several contests. And I think that is something that, you know, writers who are listening, people who are beginning projects, whether it literally be that same thing for something you're working on and sending out, or whether it just is excitement from readers you trust and multiple readers you trust, different types of readers. That is so valuable and you should really listen to that. And I'm so glad that you did and that you didn't, that you ended up coming back to the manuscript because the cliche that Lindsay and I have heard a million times and said a million times on this show, but it is so true. is that it only takes one person Mm -hmm. to, to get these things out there. And did you end up changing the manuscript a lot when you went back in after some time away and writing the memoir? Was the second round of submissions to to the to the contest that ultimately won, but also if you sent it out again, um, was the manuscript for math for self-crippling different that second go round or third go-round, whatever it may have been?
1: It was, you know, well, I changed the title. It was it was originally called um abacus of self-improvement which is a Mm -hmm. story or something like that um or the last story um so i changed the title and i added maybe one story and took out another story and and i tweaked some of the language so that at least in my mind i felt like the pieces were in conversation with each other Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe um the first go around in 2017 or 2018 um maybe they were kind of like only children there. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then in the last version, they were um, a family in a sense or siblings. Um, And so, yeah, there was definitely a little bit, but I, it wasn't like radically different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, if anything, it was like I had the right reader
0: Mm -hmm.
1: who who like wanted this or who found something in it that other people maybe liked, but didn't love. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: I want to hear a little bit more about your change in perspective on flash fiction. Um, and, and you mentioned in that Norton anthology that there were some stories that you really connected with and others that you didn't. What do you think the difference is in a flash piece that you feel you Ursula feel? Yes, this is a story versus, Oh, this is something I'm not really connecting with. Um, You know what I mean? Like what, what about it changed for you Um, or or became more meaningful?
0: I think
1: there's like, I think really good flash has either an element of surprise like, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like, Oh, it, there was a twist, but just like it could either be imagery that is unexpected, but also really perfect. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh yeah, of course that would, that would make sense. Um, Or just some sort of like I don't know I sound so like like I'm in eighth grade or something like it was <laughs> no like no. some sort of magic I don't yeah. know the sort of magic on the page that suddenly like has you sitting up straighter or like moving close your eyes closer to the book or the text in a way um, there's just something that all of a sudden clicks um, and it could you know the story could I found this to be the case with stories that are like two paragraphs long
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and. I think the, when I first attempted Flash and I couldn't do it or the stories that I didn't like in the Norton anthology, they were short and like somehow good, but not startling. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's funny because picking up your book, having not read your work before, I knew from the end of the first story that I was in, that I was going to enjoy this work because there's such a sharpness to the the, the, there's a real echo and sharpness to the ending of the first story in a way that is just assured and confident and shows just a total control of the work and I feel like the the shorter pieces that I don't respond to have a bit of uh, the feeling of trickery or every, every single one ends up feeling like maybe, uh, a joke strung out too long, but these have such an angularity and, um, I don't know, confidence is the, is the line I kept thinking of at the end. And I think that is really what I'm looking for in, in short work, because, mm-hmm. um, I think it's easy to hide behind structure in short shorts and hide behind um, a conceit. Whereas what your book does is none of that. These pieces are in conversation with each other. And I was surprised to hear your answer, Ursula, that they did not exist together prior because other than recurring characters, there feels, there's, the world that this book creates and mm-hmm. there's a feeling and there's a language and, um, and hearing you read the pieces that was even more evident, but I agree with you. There's a, there's a, there's a magic to the the really short pieces that ends up needing to be there. Otherwise they're it's, it's just absolutely not going to work.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm honestly, I was really looking forward to this interview because Lindsay, I know you write flash and your flash is so, um, full of tension and just grabs people and so oh, thank I'm, you you're welcome I have long admired your flash and thank so you. Um, I was really excited to talk to, about flash with you and Alex I think both of our work is kind of um, has some element of like maybe the paranormal or something like you know kind of strange happening and so I was really excited also to talk about fiction with you. So, I feel like you two thank are you. my perfect readers. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I
2: uh I I yeah, we I I think we are absolutely uh your type of readers for sure. I constantly talk shit about flash fiction on this show <laughs>
3: <laughs> constantly. Loud and constantly. proud over there.
2: And but I will tell you, it's not that I'm it's not that I don't actually like the work. I am just so turned off by the flash fiction community online, like the kind of like, uh, I don't know, there's like a hobbyist element to some of the, uh, the practitioners online and I'm absolutely not talking about this book of course, which I love. And so many of my favorite writers, I mean, I think a lot about Meredith Allen's book. I bring it up all the time. A lot of those are flash um, so many of my favorite writers write flash. I write flash, but at the same time, it's like I think that some people it's like um they only want to cook appetizers their whole their <laughs> whole writing career. <laughs> oh, and it's my. like I, I mean it. But and, listen,
3: if you're good at appetizers, that's fine. You don't have to oh, no, no. cook anything else. A hundred
2: percent that's fine. A hundred percent. But most of them aren't that good. And so that's, that's the issue. I but have. that's
3: what I'm trying to get at is like, there's something in good flash that you connect with and it's, and it's, and you're hinting at it too, Ursula, where it's like this, I always think of it as a pivot or like yes. all of a sudden you're standing on a cliff mm-hmm. and um, it kind of, it broadens, you know, it makes you kind of look around and it also makes you kind of go back and Try to figure out what just happened, yes. um, and and that's what good flash does. That's what these stories do. Yes, um, whereas right. I, you know, Alex, I think what you're saying it's it feels more like a like a Hallmark card, you know, like it feels more like a like a little trope or something. Um,
2: yeah, it just doesn't feel like writing. It doesn't feel it doesn't the you know. But that's not. And I'm picking on flash. Obviously, this is true of every genre, every everything. But I just I don't know. I have to be a hater sometimes, but. <laughs> I love this book. So
3: Yeah. And I think also, um, in some ways I feel like like Flash is used too broadly. Um, and I and I feel like <laughs> there should be different names. I know Alex would like totally
2: disagree with that. I
3: think Alex hates all the names, right?
2: No, I no, everything's fine. I'm moving I don't even know why I don't even know, I, I, don't even know I, I shouldn't have said anything, especially because of how much I love this book and but I, I, maybe I said something because I wanted to people who listen to this are were like, what, if, if you've heard me talk about it at all, I just wanted to be clear that this book is the real deal. It's incredible. Um, and for anyone who loves short fiction of any type, this is for you. I mean, it's whether or not you're predisposed to like flash, it's great.
3: Yeah. We had a lot of fun reading this and it seems like you had a lot of fun writing them. Is that
1: Safe to say. Oh, absolutely. Because I had nothing to lose. I was like, I am in so much uh grad school debt. I <laughs> need to get a job. Um, and I had never been published, and I was like, I need to like have fun and not be uh overwhelmed with mm-hmm. you know post MFA blues or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I thought I'm just gonna read and you know, have fun with language and see what comes of it. And, you know, knowing who I was going into grad school obsessed with these like four to 23 or six to 23 page stories, I can't believe that the first book I publish is flash fiction. (laughs) That is insane. That's like, you know, like microwaving your food all the time and like never buying even a spice. And then all of a sudden, like the first thing that you decide to make is like some Michelin rated meal or something. Like
0: that's what it felt
1: like. Like I didn't believe, like I just, it kind of blows my mind. And, um, it's bizarre to me and I'm grateful for the journey. And I feel like that's what, um, you know, writing is, is like surprise yourself and surprise readers and have fun and explore with language and see what comes of it.
3: You wrote poetry or write poetry, right?
1: Um, I mean, when I was in high school.
3: Oh, okay. I could have swore. I thought I saw something about how you used to write poetry, um, which also makes sense.
1: Cause the language is so school- clear. Yeah, no, when I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to be a poet because I was completely, you know, disconnected from the real, I mean, not that poets are disconnected <laughs> from the real, no,
0: but uh, I- let's trash
1: let's- flash fiction writers and poets. <laughs> no, this will be no, the most
3: memorable. No, good. No, let's I was just-,
2: just add to the list.
1: <laughs> and memoirs, no. No, um, yes! yep, yep, yep. no, no. When I, I should give some context. When I was in high school. And people were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everyone was like, am a marine biologist or whatever. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to be a writer and specifically I'm going to be a poet. And so I, and I was living in this world where like, you know, I was reading Sylvia Plath and like Anne Sexton mm-hmm. and whatever. And these people had like made a career of writing poetry. So yes. I was under this delusion that it was actually like, common, I think, or like, you know, that like, of course, people just like sit in Massachusetts and write poetry.
3: <laughs> like, and smoke they, do, but they don't leave their bedrooms. <laughs> right.
1: Um, and so I didn't realize, you know, that sometimes people also teach or sometimes people also have a day job. And, and so I really went in to writing thinking that i was going to be a poet and then and you know in high school i did have a little bit of success like i entered like poetry contests and got some poems published in little anthologies around the city and i was on like a um uh like pbs like poetry stand. oh my gosh wow um, and so oh and the th- great thing about that was my mom was like look at this thing in the newspaper um Readers or listeners, right now, are like newspaper. I'm like, <laughs> how old is this one? Anyway, um, yeah, I, I used to read newspapers, and um, and she was like, "You should send like here's an address. You should send some poems to this place." And I was like, "Okay." So I did, and I thought, and then they wrote me, and they're like, "Do you want to be um like have your poems recorded when you read them?" And I was like, "Absolutely." And they're like, "Here's the address, and here's where you go." And and so I thought I was gonna go to like a um like, a, our local PBS, K.L. Loren in San Antonio, and, like, there were going to be some high schoolers from, like, different schools, and we were all going to, like, read two poems, and then, you know, they were going to, like, air it as some, like, local thing, and when I got there, I was, like, wow, this is, like, huge. There's, like, a stage and a microphone and, like, oh all these gosh. lights, oh and, and I was the youngest person there. It wasn't high school. It was like some guy flew in from Chicago, oh, and like it was crazy. And like, of course, thankfully I was on um, Xanax at the time, um, and otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get through it. Like, I it took my parents and my best friend, and my best friend was like, "Holy shit, are you kidding?" Like, these are all adult writers. Um, so yes, I was a poet momentarily for a few years, and then I went to college and started writing fiction.
3: Can you recite that poem for us?
1: Oh no, no, Three, two, it was one about-
3: go.
1: No, no, it was it was about uh, red meat actually. Which <gasps> Lindsay, you write a lot about food, so you might have appreciated that.
3: I probably would have, and I'm a, v- a vegetarian, so even better.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So I was vegetarian then, and I wrote this poem about red meat in the grocery store, and I didn't <laughs> realize that it was like slam poetry. I thought, oh it was like- yes. Yeah. And so I was up there oh reading a quiet God. poem and everyone else was like super bombastic and like had like pyrotechnics and stuff. Oh and I was God. just like, oh my I'm gosh. in high school reading my little sweet poem. Oh God, Wow. that is That is <laughs> wild. What an
3: auspicious beginning. <laughs> <laughs> are you still getting like flash writing in? I know that you've been working on a novel and I want to talk about that, but are you in the meantime still writing flash?
1: no oh, i really wish i were i um i switch genres a lot and mm-hmm. so and and form and so i started i you know the novel that my agent and i split over another agent took and we did sell it um and so i've been in that mode and i've also been writing working on the memoir that mm-hmm. my first agent didn't want to read um so i am in long form really like in a serious way and I am not even, I'm reading poetry, but I'm not reading flash fiction. And I know there was a new Norton flash fiction anthology that just came out and I plan to buy it, Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe it's coming out in a week or two, but I kind of, um, I don't know if this is smart or or not, um, but I kind of feel like with writing, everything is kind of like a challenge in that. I'm like, okay, now I I know how to write flash fiction. Okay, now do I need, like, let's see if I know how to write a novel. Let's Mm -hmm. see if I know how to write a memoir. Let's see if I can write these, you know, 23-page short stories. Let's see if Mm -hmm. I can write essays, which annoys my current agent. She's like, write another novel.
0: Um, (laughs) Come
1: on. But um, I just want to have fun when I'm writing, and I um, really like jumping around. And I do have the ambition to write another flash fiction book, maybe, like, in 10 years um, when I rotate back to it. And I feel like having written in all these other forms will inform the way that I approach flash and maybe it will be good and maybe it'll be not as good. I don't know, but I'm kind of curious for that evolution to happen. I feel like I've lost the ability
3: to write flash. Oh,
2: give me a break.
3: No, I just mean in terms of like, I'm I'm working on a story right now and I thought it was going to be flash and it is just a behemoth. And I'm like, I like I could say this in fewer words, and I just forgot how.
2: Don't you just have that delete button on your computer? I know,
3: I know. I I have to. It's something I have to reteach myself to do because I've also been, like, in long form world for so many years now. Yes, and, you have. Yeah, and and it really is. It really is like a, a muscle you have to flex every once in a while. <laughs> you know, I feel like, oh yeah, I have that muscle. <laughs> also,
2: I mean, you're. Have you been reading? I feel like. You have been reading a ton of novels, Lindsay. Every Tons time we talk, I feel like, and yeah. actually a lot of nonfiction. I feel like you've been mm-hmm. reading a lot of like in-depth, long nonfiction as well. Whereas I do. Know, I, for me, it matters yeah. so much what I'm reading. I feel like yeah. if I am not reading, I, I typically, I will, if I'm working on a project, a lot of times I'll just reread the same book or same couple books, um, mm-hmm. because it's hard for me to. I'm not smart enough to like jump around and think about many, many things. I kind of like to, I like to try and understand how a certain writer is making decisions. A Mm -hmm. certain writer is doing this or that so that I have like a a barometer for my own decisions as I'm going through a work. And I, and especially with something like with flash fiction or whatever it may be, where it's a, such a specific form. Um, and you have less room to make decisions as opposed to novels where you can do whatever the fuck. And you I, can, I, yeah, you know, that <laughs> of all people, you know, that come on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I think if you're not, if you're not in it, if you're not flexing that muscle, it can be super difficult. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Do you think you're going to write more flash? Like, is that a goal down the line for you, Lindsay?
3: Definitely. Yeah. I think um, like it's, it's when I most feel myself you know because i feel like um i know it's such a cliche to say but like writing a novel is kind of a slog you know and sometimes you're just like you're laying down the tracks or the logs to get to the next thing you need to get to
0: mm-hmm.
3: And you're not really doing that or i don't really do that when i'm writing flash i'm i'm really just i miss the deftness of writing flash um so yeah that's definitely a goal and i have i do have a collection that you know like is like half new flash and half stuff that's been published just never in a book Mm -hmm. um and so you know I like at some point I was capable but no I really do I you know I feel like when I went to grad school I'm sure I've told this story before but we I went for writing and it was at an art school and we were encouraged to take other disciplines you know like take photography take painting take music, whatever, because it fed what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. It like helped our brains think creatively in this other way, which was supposed to help us, you know, on the page. And it was really true. And I feel like that's true when you're jumping around in form, like you do, Ursula, you know, like you're jumping from fiction to memoir, you know, maybe back to flash one day, it really helps you see things in a different way that I think is really important. Um, and I used to, like, I used to, like, if I would get to a point, in writing a novel where it, it 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 felt too sluggish i would I'd be like, "Well, let me show you what I got to myself and <laughs> and write write a really short you know story just to just to have fun again, you know because it it's important i think to to keep hold of those things so yes it's definitely it's definitely a goal
2: well, I wanted to ask who some of your people are, who some of the writers that you maybe are enjoying now or you can answer it how you know in whatever way you'd like. But I just reading your your sentences and the way you think about paragraphs. Um I was just so curious who are some of the people that you look to and whose work you love.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have two um kind of like literary heroes. And one of them I think I take from and the other one I am not sure if I do, but um so Muriel Spark mm. is yes someone i adore um and i started reading her work i think in seventh or eighth grade i got assigned her work and then i continued reading it after high school and and like to this day i try to read one or two mariel spark books a year and i space them out so that i don't ever run out of her work Um, and i do that too with roberto bolaño Mm -hmm. um i really like his short fiction i actually this is like sacrilege to say in a writing space, but I actually like his short stories much more than his novels. Um, That's so
3: interesting. I, I've never read his short stuff before. I, and I'm very curious because, because I like his novels, but I don't think I love them.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, he was, he was actually a real poet. Yes. Uh, unlike me, <laughs> he was like <laughs> the real deal and really wanted to only write poetry. And then he started having kids and so he needed to support them and he um, started writing fiction And then he started, you know, by the time he, I think, had his first novel published um, and someone actually, he had like 13, I mean, I might be misquoting, like it might be 11 or eight or something, but he had something like 13 books, like manuscripts ready. And we were like, you like that one? How about all of these? (laughs) Um, And so he kind of took off um, and everything got, not exactly everything, but, you know, one thing after another, that's why we had this big boom. Um, you know, where it was like, you know, posthumously like, Oh my God, another book of his and another, um, I really like his short fiction. I think he's obsessed with literary stuff, Mm. which I think is so charming and also can be so irritating depending on the story. (laughs) Um, and he's also sometimes like has these weird things happen like UFO lights or like weird car light stuff happening on drives. And, um, I don't know. There's just something really beautiful about his work too. And I don't know if I necessarily take from his sentences, but I feel like I really enjoy the mood of his work. And I do too. That, yeah. And and definitely the creepy weird stuff from Mariel Spark too. Like, I I feel like the reason she wrote so many books, maybe other than because we all do, but um, because like I feel like her imagination was so rich and like she could have like you know, there's this book of hers called Robinson that not a lot of people read. It's a novel and it's like a plane crash and like these survivors of a plane crash end up like living in this house together. And there's this cat there who's like kind of quirky too. And like, it's just all so bizarre and weird and perfect. (laughs) And that's kind of my aim.
2: I love that. I taught uh, Gomez Palacio to um, high school kids I'm sorry, not even high school kids, middle school kids. Um that's a tough Lindsay, age. Did they m- love it? They loved it. It was Mike uh Lindsay Mike Zapata's oh, class yes. when I was I did some student teaching at a school in Chicago that was um an ESL school and um I really wanted to like smuggle in <laughs> some <laughs> some like real fiction to these kids because I was teaching ostensibly I was teaching like a fiction course to them and I was like I'm going to bring some Bolaño in but it was so hard to think about how like what am I going to bring in for these kids but we taught I taught that and it was it was so fun I uh as just as you were talking I could not remember the name of that story and I was like what the heck was the name of that story but yeah it was so fun to teach that
3: what activities did you have them do
2: no idea oh <laughs> I just remember the reaction being positive and that just making me so happy because yeah. I was like, that was enough. Just, uh, oh, I was like, oh man, maybe one of these kids will Google Bolaño down the line. Who knows?
3: For sure they will. Anytime that's you it. take kids seriously, you know?
2: Yes. They remember it. That's true. You're right.
1: And that's the exact story that I was thinking about with the weird lights, like the mm-hmm. green, remember the green lights that like yeah. appear? Yeah. There's just, I, I'm obsessed with that story. I think I've read it like 15 times, but so good. Yeah, he's just so good. I don't know. And even like his bad stuff is good Mm
2: -hmm. most
1: of the time. And like his what his mediocre stuff is like better than most people's good stuff.
2: I love a writer with big swing, mediocre work. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so true,
3: Alex. We talk about this all the time because it's totally it's a writer up to something and that is your yes. phrase and i love it it's a writer who is up to something
2: yeah i mean i think of uh, an easy example would be dennis johnson it's like three of those books don't really work for me and a lot of people but i love to read them and mm-hmm. there are portions of them that i love um resuscitation of a hangman it doesn't like totally work for me but the opening is my favorite opening of anything he's written and that's enough to go back to the book or, you know, whoever it may be. Um, But yeah, it's so true. I think sometimes that speaks to someone who is making a life of the work and not everything is a polished, shining, easily pitchable, sellable convert to Netflixable thing. It's a, it's a, it's someone who's living in it and making mistakes and taking wrong turns, and that's beautiful.
3: Ursula, if Bolano could blurb your novel that's coming out on Celadon, ooh, what would he say? How would he blurb it?
1: He would say, uh, "Actually, so he's like, didn't I'm sure you know this, Alex? Maybe you know this, Lindsay? He like was very outspoken about who he liked and didn't like, um, and would always trash writers." I d- I would hope like part of me thinks like oh, he would trash me. Um <laughs> no. but Never. maybe maybe no. he would say like for a novel it's kind of poetic. Um ooh. <laughs> That's a, you put that tell on
2: the front more. cover. Tell us more.
1: You have to tell
3: us more about this novel. A um, poetic novel.
1: Well, I don't even know if it's poetic. Um I I would say so it is a novel about a young um Chicana who Uh, is in college in New England and has an experience um, where she's just looking to connect with people Um, maybe she picked the wrong college maybe it's not working out there so she writes a fan letter to her favorite writer Um, this is pre-internet I mean the internet exists but people were still writing letters so this is definitely historical fiction (laughs) Um, so she mails this letter in like 1999 end of 1999 um and just like finds where this writer is teaching and mails a letter to that university and then first month january tw- of 2000 she gets a response from the writer and she can't believe it and uh they continue their correspondence for many years and they meet in person they have some sort of friendship um and it's a novel about uh celebrity it's a novel about uh literary representation it's about dynamics between people in power and people without power um it's uh hopefully poetic um (laughs) yeah there's and then so that's that's basically it um the, the friendship you know goes through many evolutions um And so that's that's it. I'm sure my publisher is gonna hear this and be like, that's how you described your novel.
0: (laughs) It's Um, impossible for
3: a
2: writer to describe (laughs) their own book. Also, that sounds great. Yes, and it does. It sounds awesome. When and when is this coming out?
1: Thank you. Um it's coming out in winter of twenty twenty four. Cool, you and
2: me both. We can we can do the tour together. Wonderful.
1: Yes. Lindsay, when's your novel coming out? November. I think. This year? Yes.
3: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited.
1: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then Alex and I are gonna be um twinsies in this room. Yes,
0: right. yes.
2: Hopefully, hopefully we both get out before uh the election and uh oh God. You know, we yeah. can just scoot those release dates up a tiny bit. No big yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Gosh, I hadn't even, I had blocked that out. There's so many things. Do you feel like because of the pandemic, they're like, your brain is protecting you with things and like, yes. Oh, totally forget about that. And then you're like, yep. my
3: well, I remember my agent cause I had a book going out in the February of 2020. We were going to, and he, we had a long conversation and he was like, and it was an election year. And he was like, yeah, we don't know what kind of apocalypse is heading our way. And he meant election apocalypse. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> there was a pandemic. Um oh, so gosh. yeah. But yeah, you guys you'll you'll get out before that and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah.
2: Oh Ursula, where is the best place for people who are listening right now to buy Math for the Self Crippling?
1: Um you can buy it at bookshop.org. Perfect. Um they have copies and um Powell's also has copies. i don't know if people know this but i always
3: link to the author's website in the show notes of every episode so if you want to find out more about ursula you can go to her website in um, our show notes um or you can just type her name into google okay um Mm -hmm. but yeah we always have that information there um and sometimes i link to the bookshop link as well so maybe i'll do it for this one um and then do you know when your pre-order link for your novel will be live
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know yet. I am thinking maybe sometime in the summer.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking for that as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for coming
3: on, Ursula. This was so
1: fun.
2: This was a blast. We love this book and uh, excited for people to pick it up.
1: Thank you so much. I had so much fun talking to you both.
2: Yay! She was great.
3: That was fun. This book is great. Everyone. It's a great go book.
2: Go get it. Um, I feel like lots
3: of our listeners have probably already read it or are aware of it, but it's it's wonderful.
2: I mean, this, I typically probably wouldn't have picked it up just because I don't buy a lot of flash fiction collections, to be frank. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that we had her on the show because this is just the real deal. I feel it's like we were r- lucky to get her. I agree. Thank it's you, pretty- Ursula. Thank you, Ursula. It's great. It's great writing. And this is going to be uh, someone that I want to read everything she publishes. I mean, Absolutely, she's excellent.
3: Yeah. Everyone don't forget about that story. Sad girl. That's reason alone to get this book. Um, I wanted to have a little housekeeping chat. Cool. Alex. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you to everyone who's r- already rated and reviewed our show. Um, if you haven't i would love we would love for you to do that cuz it helps um it helps apple recommend us to other people and um helps push us up for other people to see us and it would just help us a lot so if you haven't yet it doesn't take very long go through and rate and review us on apple podcasts five um, stars definitely five stars nothing less than that nothing less <laughs> if you have less fewer stars than that then just don't bother
2: Keep your stars um, if you have less than that. Just kidding. Be honest. No, I'm I'm not. Five stars or nothing. That's right. Don't be honest. Five stars.
3: <laughs> um. Don't forget that we have merch. Alex and I have forgotten that we have merch, but we do have merch. <laughs>
2: uh, I've forgotten m- so much.
3: We do. We have a lot of merch. If anyone's interested in shirts, hoodies, even if you're not bags, interested, buy more. Yeah. The holiday season is coming up. <laughs>
2: I mean, how about you just, you can't be in the world naked.
3: Now that's true. I just bought a little piece of merch that I'm excited about, and it is a sweatshirt from Great Place Books. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about how Great Place came to be? What it is? Give us the little spiel.
2: Sure. So uh, Great Place Books is a press that I started with the writer Emily Adrian and the writer and literary agent Monica Woods. And we wanted to start a press because the kind of books that the three of us love um, challenging, rigorous, intelligent, weird fucking books,
3: books that are up to something
2: books that are up to something writers that are up to something uh, those kind of books are imperiled right now. And that is not a um, exaggeration, you know, Um, presses are closing imprints are shutting down. Magazines are stopping publishing and anyone who's been on submission or listened to the show about all the writers who have been on submission for the past couple of years know how the pandemic has tightened um all of that and made the kind of books that are getting through uh harder for for these kind of books to get through um so we wanted to make another place like a coffee house is what we would aspire to. Like a gray wolf is like what we would aspire to. Obviously we are not anywhere near that scale. We're just three people, but that is what we're aiming for to be a place for idiosyncratic, beautiful books and
3: where you can need... pay personal attention as the editors and yeah, publishers and
2: yeah. And um, there needs to be more places like that because there is no shortage of excellent manuscripts out there. There's no shortage of incredible writers. Um, And along with that, we wanted to also build a community. Um, So that means teaching classes and connecting with our readers in that way as well. Um, We wanted our approach to classes to be a little bit different than some of the other options available on the internet, many of which are great, but we wanted it to be, a little more uh, focused, each one of them, smaller aims and kind of remind you of maybe your favorite literature writing course in college. Um, So that is what we're doing. We've been working on this for the past year and a half, um, getting everything set, acquiring our first three titles, the first of which is called Blocks World, which is a Debut Poetry Collection by Emma Catherine Perry, now available for pre-order on our website, greatplacebooks.com. I would encourage you to pre-order this book. There is a absolutely beautiful cover by Aiden Fitzgerald that you can look at on the website. It's so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And the book itself is stunning. Um, When we receive the submission... Emily and I were on the phone to each other within 25 minutes. Um, we were just beside ourselves that we had the opportunity to potentially publish the book. And we are so excited to make it the first title we publish. Um, and then we have a debut novel by the writer Julia Hannafin. And their work is singular, <laughs> just stark, strange. Um concerned with gender and bodies and sex and regret and death and love and incredible book that I will not go on and on to summarize, but that is coming in 2024. And then we have oh, Euphoria Days, which is um a novel by the Spanish novelist Pilar Frail, translated by Lizzie Davis, um, coming later in 2024. Um, that has to do with a set of characters who all in different ways turn over their decision making and their lives to machines and the ramifications of that and their pursuit of euphoria in their daily lives so we have a lot going on and we are excited to acquire more books and more projects and it, the response has been really positive so far and yeah that's that's what's going on
3: that's so exciting and alex you know like he said he's been working on it for over a year and a half and i can remember like the very early days of you talking about it and just to see it all come to fruition is incredible um like i've been so excited to be able to talk about it on here and and get people excited about it as well because it's going to be awesome and the team that you guys have i mean your 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 friendship and your collaboration is is you know second to none as they say
2: yeah i'm so excited to be working with emily and monica monica is someone who is in my writing life intensely already and emily was a first reader for me and i for her so it was kind of a natural editorial relationship yeah, we're just excited. So I would just encourage, if you are interested, uh, I would go to greatplacebooks.com and just have a look what we're up to.
3: Awesome. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you.
3: Um, That's it. Awesome. Oh, I did want to say one thing. I finished The Idiot. I loved it. And I feel like it's like Chelsea Martin meets Elena Ferrante. And I feel like reading Chelsea wow. Martin's book, Tell Me I'm an Artist. Mm-hmm. Helped me read the idiot.
2: That is, that so once again, Chelsea Martin that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Anyway, we got to sneak Chelsea back on to talk about that book.
3: Yeah, Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, we're,
2: oh my god, no, she's busy um, using the McDonald's app right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, tell me, I'm an artist. Think about that book all the time. I loved it so much. Yes. And yep.
2: Awesome. I will not talk to you next week.
3: Nope. Next one is Jack Gems. Everybody get ready. Oh God! I
2: hope that book shows up so I can start reading it.
3: Yeah. It's it's a good one.
2: Because it's a long boy.
3: It is very long. It's a big boy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, Lindsay.
3: I'm a Writer But is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah, yeah.